Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Institutional investors typically make measured incremental changes to their portfolios. But are they now making significant, even striking changes to keep up with new market realities? Well, let's find out with Simon England Brammer. He is Senior Managing Director of Nuveen, taking us through Nuveen's third annual Equilibrium Global Institutional Investor Survey, which explores insights and the actions of 800 global institutional investors. Good morning. Bram. Good morning. How well, are you? Really good. Thank you for joining us here on Money FM. Now, what is it that most of us don't know about Nuveen as an asset manager? Yeah, well, Nuveen is uh, now managing around about 1.2 trillion US dollars. And at that size, that puts us in the top 15 globally asset management companies. But what I would say is, is that we're probably one of the largest that most people have, have never heard of. And there's good reasons for that. That being that um, of that 1.2 trillion, around about a quarter of that to a third is our own proprietary capital. So we are effectively an asset owner before an asset manager. So we very much look through the lens of how we want to allocate our own capital for our own members, as opposed to just launching product um, um, in terms of trying to raise capital. It's a, it's a different motive, if you will. Well, just the people we want to speak to when it comes to asset flows or money flows. Now, Nuveen says across the board, global investors are reassessing their views, mm. preparing for a new market regime. And 90% of APEC insurers have plans to increase allocation to private markets. We'll get into the details in just a while. But to what extent are global investors rethinking or reallocating their portfolios? In your opinion, are there striking allocation changes? Yeah, so there's two ways to answer that. One is from a strategic perspective and then one is from a tactical perspective. So from a strategic perspective, these institutions are looking and saying, what do we want to achieve long term? How do we want to allocate? How do we want to diversify our portfolios across various asset classes? In between that, however, is then market conditions, similar to what we've seen recently. You know, we've seen rising inflation, um, interest rates um, increasing to try and combat that. We've had the, the financial, uh, the banking sector, which has had its challenges over the last few weeks as well. So there are tactical moves, the day-to-day element that needs to be adjusted. So what I would say is on the institutional side, they are still maintaining this long-term focus of diversification and certainly moving from public into private asset classes. Um, But over the short term, the tactical side is how they're reacting to current market conditions. So there's two two streams. And what stands out as key highlights for you on the um, strategic allocations? So on the strategic, what's what's, um, interesting for us, if you look at the reports that's just been published as well, that um, close to 80% now are fine-tuning their portfolios from a top-down perspective. What does that mean? What that means is that they're really looking at geopolitical issues. So if we look at what that means, whether it's you know wars in Ukraine through to uh, challenges between the US and China in terms of trade and such like, there is far more focus in terms of the significance and the impact that that can create longer term. So that is driving some of the the thinking. So that's, that's point one. Point two would then be factoring in areas such as the environment and how investors, now institutional investors, are allocating to identify 
um, uh, the benefits of investing to support the environment and also the general impact of that from a society perspective as well. So there's two major themes in there. Fantastic. We're going to talk about impact investments in just a while. But first up, help us understand this region. How are APEC asset owners reacting to the current environment? So again, what we've seen from institutional investors, and I keep emphasizing the word institutional investors, institutional investors are a combination of sovereign wealth funds, um, central banks, insurance platforms, corporate pensions, pension schemes. Um, They have differing needs and requirements. So an example of that would be that if you are a corporate pension scheme, a national pension scheme or insurance, then you're far more income liability driven investing you are investing to try and achieve a a specific return above inflation. If you're a future fund or a sovereign wealth fund, it's more about total returns that you're trying to achieve. So there's different motives and different ways ways to invest. But what I would say as a general theme is is that um, markets have been very challenging of late. Um, And whilst the desire to go into more alternative asset classes, which typically are more illiquid in, in nature... Um, what we've seen over the near term is, is this big push into fixed income public markets. Why is that? Mm-hmm. What we've seen is, is that interest rates now have gone up. So you can now buy risk-free, and I say that in inverted commas, but you can buy risk-free um, assets, that being government bonds, at 4 5 6% now. Which again, if you've got a hurdle as an insurance company at 45 let's say, that's good. That works. So there's been this big shift towards fixed income and money market type instruments at this stage. And what about infrastructure? So infrastructure is part of the alternatives bucket. And infrastructure specifically, I mean, there's many aspects of alternatives, real estate, debt and equity, infrastructure, as you've rightly mentioned, debt and equity. We then have farmland, timber, agriculture. There's a number of different buckets in alternatives. But if we look at infrastructure, you're right. That's been a very prominent area, and we continue to see that being a a desired destination of capital for two reasons. One is the diversified income stream that's attached to infrastructure, but there is also that natural inflation hedge that's baked into that. These assets are linked to inflation measures, and they will rise relative, so you get a natural inflation cover. Help us understand uh, the broad perspective. Which asset classes are benefiting, in your opinion, from global institutional investors' reassessment of risk and returns? So I think there's a couple of areas um, in that. So I think, first of all, as I've already mentioned, fixed income. There's a lot of money going into fixed income, public fixed income, at this point in time, for all the reasons that I've already mentioned. That doesn't take away the need and requirement for diversification across the portfolios. Remember, these institutions are very, very large in size, and they need geographic diversification, they need asset class diversification, and they need risk diversification as well. So we are seeing a lot of money going into income-related alternatives. And we are also seeing, to a certain extent, going into private capital, and that being uh, private equity and private uh, private credit as well. They're the two streams which we're seeing under that private capital space. What are some key inflation risk mitigation strategies that your surveys picked up? Yeah, so in the survey, we're seeing a number of things, really. So again, back into the fixed income buckets, and it could be around building, you know, TIPS programs, which is um, Treasury Inflation Protection um, Strategies. So you can buy TIPS programs all the way through to buying real assets with, as, as, as I mentioned before, that have that natural inflation 
cover. So they are really, investors are very much looking at the total spectrum of asset allocation, saying where can we mitigate that risk across that diversification. How are insurance companies reacting to current market conditions? I started by saying 90% of APEC insurers uh, have plans to increase allocation to private markets. More broadly, on a global scale, do we have a sense of how insurers are, are switching? Yeah, very similar theme. Mm-hmm. Um, APEC to the rest of the globe, very similar. So these insurance um, uh, flows that are coming through each month for them, they're looking again to diversify that. As I said right at the beginning is they're probably pressing pause in terms of going into real assets at this point in time, real estate, infrastructure and so on. They're probably pressing pause at the moment just because they're looking at it from an entry point perspective. Is this the right pricing? Is now the right time? But the appetite and desire is still very much there. It's just a timing call. What are some key megatrends that global investors have identified as key for portfolio impact? Yeah, well, there's two areas really, and probably no surprise is is climate. Yeah. as one area. Mm-hmm. So everything that's related to ESG and responsible investing. Um, and then it's the um, very specific impact investing that sits within that as well. So again, what does that mean? What we're seeing is, is from a climate point of view, close to two thirds, and certainly if I go back to the survey, two thirds of the 800 institutions that you rightly mentioned that were surveyed in this, um, are stating that the climate risk factors are now dictating how they invest for the longer term. Now, that's a significant shift to what we saw just a few years ago. So the mindset has changed significantly. If we move on to impact specifically, then impact is an area where it still needs to grow. So yes, um, Asian investors and global investors are still uh, focused on or they're considering the environment when they're making investment decisions. But the way they're reporting that at this point in time, only 44% of the 800 institutions we spoke to are actually reporting against impact. Now, it's definitely there. It's definitely growing. Um, but there needs to be more um, evolution of that. But it's forming part of the investment analysis. What is your biggest takeaway from this survey? Yeah, the the biggest takeaway for me is is that um, no surprise is probably how I would answer that. Remember, this survey took place back in October, November of last year, and a lot has changed in in the first half of or first quarter of this year. Um, But the the results of that survey still stand. So what's interesting for me is that there is still this desire to go into diversification diversification and into alternatives, but it really is about the short-term concern around market situations. The other factors in this, as, as I've rightly mentioned, is, um, is around the impact side, and it's just the evolution of that and, and the more work that needs to be done in that space. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're an asset owner as much as an asset, um, as an asset manager. And as an asset owner, we've done considerable work with our own proprietary capital in terms of the environment and impact. And we really want to see more of that taking place across our peers. Fantastic. Well, thank you for the insights. We've been looking at how global investors are reassessing their views on risk and return with Simon England-Brammer. He's head of EMEA and APEC Global Client Group and the Senior Managing Director of Nuveen. Taking us through Nuveen's third annual Equilibrium Global Institutional Investor Survey. I'm Michelle Martin. Back to you on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.